My name is Sam Ross. This is the brother at the bar on Instagram. This is for the guy with the hoodie and the Air Force Ones. I'm like, yo, this is like some cool shit. Guess what? That's when the conversation started to happen. This is Pass the Drink Podcast. This is the brother at the bar on Instagram. Host the Pass the Drink Podcast on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Anchor, and other podcast services. Continuing. Right now, I have... She goes by the name of Kinky Suds. I'm going to let her introduce herself. Thank you so much for having me up on the podcast. My name is Denise, also known as on Instagram, uh, Kinky Suds. And uh, I got to say, I'm so excited to, you know, be a guest up on this podcast. Um, I've been listening to a couple of episodes. It's great. Had the opportunity to sit here and talk, you know, mad trash with the host here today uh, prior to this. So I'm excited to get into about beer, into comics, video games, anything that we have under the sun, sports. I do I do all kinds of things, but, you know, beer is one of my favorite hobbies that I like to do. It's expensive sometimes, but, you know, I enjoy it. It makes me happy. <laughs> Speaking of, of expensive beer, what are you pouring up to, to start our conversation with? Man, I love the artwork on this can. So it's basically a bunch of s'mores doing different things. And one of them says, I hate exercise, which kind of cracks me up on that one. But it's more money, more problems. And it's an imperial stout for graham crackers, cinnamon, cocoa nibs, lactose, vanilla, and marshmallow flavor. So this bad boy's coming in at 10.5 ABV. So it's a a good one. Double digits. Double digits. and it's by Pipeworks Brewing Company, which it says here it was brewed and canned in Chicago. So that's my little nod to you. <laughs> oh, thank you. I'm, I'm, yeah. go- I'm going to match you. I'm going to match you. I also, nice. I also am drinking Pipeworks. I think I'm drinking mm-hmm. their most uh, noticeable beer, their most uh, flagship beer of their repertoire, of their roster. It's Ninja versus Unicorn. Has this badass Ooh. fucking like design. Um, oh, like just talking about the design can go for like an hour and like the artists and right. stuff like that. But man, right. you have a fucking ninja with like <laughs> samurai with like black looking like shinobi and shit against like this nice. mean ass unicorn. And oh, I it's, love it. It's hoppy as hell. So I'm punch your tongue. Gonna smell it, you're gonna oh. smell like all the hops and things of that nature. But oh man, but I'm glad I'm able to talk to you like this and we can just talk beer and things of that nature because guess what? What's Kinky up? Suds is a scientist. I am, <laughs> yes, I am. Yeah, I went to grad school back in Michigan at the University of Michigan. Um, and got my PhD in microbiology and immunology. So uh, did a little bit of academic research for some years and then decided to bounce out, went into consulting, and did that for about a year, and now I just recently made a move, going to be going into pharma. So hot science is over here. Love science. Got to love it. Got to love it. Um, Pipeworks. Stout. 10%. 
doing good over there. Thanks for supporting our Chicago breweries all the way out in LA in LA, but you're from Detroit. I'm from Chicago. Yes. Three one three three one two. Just saying. And I kept my original number, too. I kept my 313. Why, why do people do that shit? Like, because, why do man. They, like, you have I to. Know, Listen, Detroit gets such a bad rap, right? Like, it has... When people hear about Detroit, it's amazing when you, when you talk to people sometimes because they all do that whole eyebrow raise. Like, oh, you're from Detroit. And so it has this negative view about it, right? But... I grew up in Detroit. Sure, every city has its bad areas, right? Every city, every metropolitan, you know, large city has their their issues. But, you know, Detroit has so much history, so much there um, as a city. So, you know, I I thoroughly enjoyed my time in Detroit. Love it. Love the history that's there. And so I wanted to keep my 313 number. And plus, you know, it makes people ask me where am I from. So I'm like, I get to represent some of the best people I've ever met are from Detroit. I still go and visit them via mega bus. All the thing I got to do is jump on that mega bus mm. ride, jump off that at mega bus is awesome. Jump off at that Wayne is- State University yep. and show that was up. That's my alma mater. And my people yep. on Seven Mile and Golden Grain got your boy. Ooh, they got nice. me. Nice. I used to be from Seven Mile and Greenfield. <clears throat> Seven Mile and Greenfield area. That was my that was my area. So you keeping the three one three number. You representing uh, Detroit and mm-hmm. you're down in LA. Yeah. How, how is it out there? I gotta tell you, LA. It's amazing how many cities in this area kind of all fall under the LA umbrella. And when they talk about traffic, yeah, you, know, you hear about LA traffic. Like LA traffic sucks. And I've been to New York. New York is just terrible, terrible traffic. But they at least have a subway system there, right? Like you can go, you can get wherever you need to. It may take you 30 minutes, 40 minutes, but at least you're getting there, right? Exactly. Out here in LA, man, you'd be sitting in the car. Like I live out in the valley, so I'm not in like the downtown LA area, but in the valley. And if you're trying to go from the valley down to LA, you can forget about it. Depending on like rush hour, it, it's terrible. Absolutely terrible. The only saving grace is that from driving from the valley down to LA, are the views are decent with the hills and mountains. And it, depending on if you take a PCH, you can drive along the coast and see the ocean. Now that's pretty. That's a beautiful view. Absolutely gorgeous. But traffic down here is just atrocious. Atrocious. It's bad. Makes you <laughs> want, Makes you wish you could fly, don't it? Ah, <clears throat> uh, or do you like instant teleportation? That would be nice. Oh, wow. Um, we first met via, uh, mm-hmm. via you were doing a live with yep. uh, Kinky Elevated Music with Scully. Yes. And uh, yes. everything you posted, it seemed like uh, I was posting it the opposite of. So, yes. so it was like. Uh, it was great. It was like posting, I like stouts. I was like, nah, I like pale ales. And it was like. <laughs> I love DC. I was like, I'm a Marvel guy. Oh was, my God. Yeah. It was like, well, we're going to get together. We're going to talk about that. Well, yes. well, we're, well, we're here right here, right now. And if you cannot yes. see uh, me today, I'm usually in a, uh, I'm using a 
and the three one two hat flipped backwards. I'm usually got represent some type of brewery shirt, but right now, mm-hmm. just for Kinky Suds. Thank you for my for my friend out there representing the three one three out in beautiful California. I have on <laughs> the fresh Tashala King of Wakanda T-shirt representing Marvel's Comics greatest well one of the greatest avengers yes yes i I guess i have to admit i think marvel they've done a great job with movies like hands down marvel has done an exceptional job with bringing superheroes to the screen making a bunch of money off of it like they've done great that whole marvel universe great i got some issues with certain things that they did but again overall really good DC, on the other hand, comic like comic book wise, I think they have really great stories. They've done really exceptionally like well with the animated movies, but when it comes to like live action renditions, it's just terrible, absolutely terrible, and it breaks my heart because I absolutely love DC, and they just cannot, they cannot get it together, and I don't know why. I don't know why. <laughs> it's so frustrating. It's so frustrating. And they're trying to take all of the. Uh... Like they're trying to share the directors and people that directed good, good Marvel movies go over to DC. Then they make trash at DC. So it just they just can't get it right. But they can't. I totally agree when it comes to DC. I like I'm not a Marvel fanboy like that. The stories that they are writing for DC are like they're great stories. Yeah. They're great pieces of literature. Uh, when we were doing research as far as this show was going, like, yo, um, like I'm just I'm like, like I'm just pulling your leg. I just love some of that DC shit too, like Court of Owls <laughs> and Family of Owls, like oh, the Joker. fucking Joker. If you don't like the love affair that the Joker has for Batman is like one of the greatest romances of all time. Yeah, I mean and that's the thing, like in Killing Joke, right? They really push the envelope with that relationship, right? And, you know, you, you start to see that really both the Joker with that, that backstory and Batman, they each had a really bad day. And you see which route they decided to go with, right? And so really they mirror each other in showing, like, well, if you went this route, this is possibly what you could have done versus the other. And so there's just this huge, they're, they're always going to be linked together regardless. You know, they're always going to be linked together. And I think it's really interesting that out of all the years and out of all the interactions he has with the Joker, he's constantly still trying to do right, to still stick to the script, right, instead of just killing him. Like, just get, just get rid of him. You, you could eliminate a lot of your problems if you just took him out, but Batman doesn't do that, right? So it's it's really interesting when you look at those two and how long they've been doing this dance. And it still always comes down to the same thing over and over again. It's it's just cool. It's just like us in real as real life, like Yeah. We we need our it seems like we need our issues, seems like we need our antagonists in our lives and things of that nature. Right. And we really don't I mean, like, but like you, you know, say, some, the, the Joker could have got do. rid of uh, Batman like a hundred times, and we know Batman could have like smoked dude like 
Oh, he could have easily. I mean, easily. They could have killed each other. There's been a couple of instances where they had each other. And I'm like, but then at the same time, you also have to say to yourself, do they, do they do something for each other? Are they helping them to reach a better version of themselves? Right. You know, you never know. Like you have to think about, if you think about in your own life, you know, when you have certain issues that keep popping up or issues that do arise, you know, do you, instead of looking at them as a, as a bad thing, if you view them as, you know, ways to improve yourself or ways to kind of pivot and change your perspective on things, right? Maybe that could help you to kind of see them not as a hindrance, but more as a, a learning lesson. But that's kind of hard to do when you're in the thick of it, you know? <laughs> so it's always easy to do that in hindsight. But when you're in it, you're just like, nah. Don't work. <laughs> these these graphic novels, y'all. These graphic novels. Uh, all that from all that from Batman. Um, I said I was gonna come on and talk about some some uh, Marvel characters that are African American yeah. that yeah. aren't stereotypical like characters. Not your Miles Morales. Not your Luke Cage's. Not right. your T'Challa's. Not your Shiri's. Yeah. Okay. There is a character. There's a character. There's a character uh-huh. named Riri Williams. And she is Ironheart. And she's Ooh. a young lady from the south side of Chicago. And she is right? written by a young mm-hmm. lady um, from that stays in Chicago, Eve Ewing. Eve L. Ewing. Yes. She also has, doing. Yes. She's also yes. written books about children, the educational system and the the school systems within Chicago and like yeah. how they have failed the, not only the children but the parents in the community and for like 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 what we're talking about all all these mm-hmm. issues and all these com- things come out in comic books like she's seeing, like she's seeing this firsthand, um, in her in her daily work as a writer, as a journalist, yeah. as a uh, professor. She's also a professor at University of Chicago, uh, as a nice. professor. And for her to write these into stories where is projected towards younger audiences. It's just amazing because she knows what to put in and what to put out. So Riri Williams, check her out. Ironheart, wonderful story, wonderful character. Um, It's good to see you, like, as me, as a Chicago guy, to open up the pages of a comic book and they're flying over Hyde Park, you know, or flying over a place that I I walk through or walk down or visit or go shopping at. So, right. So, Riri Williams, everybody. If you're not reading Riri Williams, if you're not up on Eve Ewing, Eve L. Ewing, check her out. And you're supposed to, yeah. and I'm sure you got it too, some DC characters that are African American that aren't so stereotypical of uh, the ones we know. Yeah. I mean,. I know, because usually most people, when you first think of DC, you'll probably think of Green Lantern and you have Jon Stewart, right? But what I liked about his character was that, you know, they had it where he he was about the good, but he was also able to 
you know, remain himself, but also he had some level of vulnerability. And I think as the way that society portrays black men, right? Um, I think it's, it's important to have characters where they're showing that amount of emotional maturity and vulnerability, right? Cause that's, you know, instead of them showing them as these emotionless creatures who are all about rage, right? Or threatening type mm-hmm. of thing, right? Right. So I really like that type of humanistic, like human nature or part that they gave him, right? Like they really made him where he has these, these issues that he was dealing with, right? But he was still able to be himself, still able to, you know, you portrayed him in such a, a, a good light as a strong leading character, a part of Justice League. You know, he was part of the, you know, founding, the founding group that really was there to make decisions, you know, and was a part of going out and actually trying to save the world. To me, I thought that was just awesome that they had that. Uh, so I've always enjoyed, plus to see when you, when you listen to it on the animated series, just the voice. I just, I, that to me, I think it's really important when you hear the voice actors and how they go about doing, adding that, that extra piece to the character. I've always loved listening to um, the voice actor for, for him uh, when I did the Justice League group. But I think the other one that I think was was really good um, was uh, with Vixen. And what I liked about her is that, again, she she was strong, absolutely strong. And there was a couple of scenes and appearances that she did on uh, Justice League where she, you know, had to go up against Wonder Woman. And Wonder Woman is supposed to be like, the iconic top woman in DC, right? Like she's strong, you, you know, she's on a whole nother level and then anybody else. Whole nother level. Um, but I think whole nother level. But when you think about her and like Vixen and then Wonder Woman's counterpart, um, uh, what was her name? Uh, oh, I'm forgetting her name. This is bad. This is really bad. Um, I should know this. Nubia. Yes. Her. Right. Another one that I think that they could, if you do a good job, right? If you could Nubia, there's not a lot of pictures of no. her out. And the there ones isn't. that are are so bad ass. Oh my god. Okay. Like if you actually bring her character to light, I mean, think about it. I mean, that in itself just is it's just pure just just it would remind me of like um how Storm could have been. How they, they never did Storm right in any of the movies for Marvel, but like just for X-Men, but it's just that type of character where she's strong, you know, she knows what she's doing, she 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 has her convictions, she has her morals, and she's just total badass. You know, they don't do, they don't have enough of her being put out there. They don't have enough of her and Vixen, you know, like these other types of characters that have a lot going for them, you know, who are pretty much on a high level of being a very powerful character, but you don't see them. You really don't see them at all, which sucks. Uh, but those would be, those would definitely be my pick. Well, in Chicago, sure. we have this uh, comic book convention, but full of yeah. blurs and it's called Wakanda con. And it kind of <laughs> blew yeah. up like these, um, I think it was a brother and a sister and a group of friends. And they just, Oh, send $50 in. And uh, we're going to, have a Wakanda and it blew up so it's uh, it's on us as the black comic book readers and 
consumers and us people going to buy these t-shirts and stuff like that we need to write marvel and say yo feature some more of these uh black characters and make a good storylines just don't turn like people black which is happening now like yo like this person makes no sense being black let's turn them black or let's turn them gay or let's turn them uh female like don't diversify a character strictly to appease them like if it's something in their character line that makes you wanna <laughs> like oh okay i see them going that way like yeah you know like i just recently found out like you know events going on with aqualad or whatever they changing his oh, origin yeah. and stuff like that even though i'm not a dc guy but i kind of seen that coming you know seeing things yeah. coming along with him you know, I've seen that character uh, um, changing. And they've always showed that character in which the little that I've known as a leader, as a strong black mm-hmm. brother. You know what I'm saying? Right. So things exactly. going on with him as far as his sexuality and things of that nature, like, yo, if he's the responsible one, I guess that makes sense. Right. And that's, a, so, and that's the thing I think that, that goes on a lot. You know, they have these different movements or trends that happen and so you know you see these these production houses trying to go with well what can we do to tap into this right um and you're right you're like well does that make any sense at all or are you just doing it because this is what's happening right now you know and 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 i think that that it waters down the character you know or like when you see these movies that are going to put out it's the same thing you know and it and it's like it, I think the other thing too is that being a comic book fan like I am, and then also just the fact that I've watched a ton of movies, tons of movies. You know, I would prefer, like, I don't care if the lead character is the stereotypical person that we usually see in the movies. It would be nice to see more representation, more diversity in movies, right? But please do not just put them in there just for the sake of saying, oh, look, we're diverse. Like, that just bothers my soul. I can't. But it Whether worked. you do it with comic books or movies, you know, I can't do it. Zazie Beats, when she played Domino, Domino's yeah. pale. She she did, she ain't even white or black. She's just pale, right? She's just there, yeah. She's just, <laughs> right. she's just pale. <laughs> right, right, right. Just light, right. Filter, just light filter, right? And Zazie, <laughs> came, Zazie Beats came in and she yeah. nailed that role. And she nailed yeah. and she nailed her with like sister attitude too. So yeah. like if you can yeah. put a good actor or actress in that character's role, right? You know, right. I feel that as well. Um, you know what? I I got a question for you though. So they're talking about there was talk, and I don't if they move forward with this, I know for a fact I will not go watch this. But for Nubia, right? Uh Tiffany Haddish. Oh. she's interested in playing that role what do you think of that like could you see her playing that role i cannot see her playing that role but <laughs> guess what it's a lot of you know it's a lot of people now i'm not gonna judge it's a lot of people that have taken super <laughs> character super character roles yeah. and nailed them but yeah. uh, you know i'm glad she's playing on a DC character, not on my Marvel watch. <laughs> That's messed up, man. 
That's messed up. Oh, that's messed up. He's like, oh, at least it's DC. So if it's shit, you know, it's shit. You, that, you expect that from now. Go ahead and get that DC <laughs> money, boo boo. We straight over here. Okay. Oh, you wrong for that. Okay. They gave all that fucking money to Beyonce. What the fuck? Mm. Listen, listen. I, I'm like I. It's amazing how much money they do show out, and I feel Hold like on, sometimes I don't want they, the beehive after me. I don't want no, no, the beehive but, after me. <laughs> no, because then you're trained. Like, why can't nothing work? Hold on. But I do think it's interesting that it's like they're so they keep going to the same, you know, group of actors, you know, and you're like, but there's tons of other people that would do really good in this role. Why didn't you consider them? And I get it because. You want to pull a name that's going to get people to come and watch it, people to spend their money. Totally get that. But it's like, you know, for the writing of some of these characters, you know, some people do surprise you, right? Like some people, like when, uh, what's his name who played the Joker? Uh, I say Heath Ledger. Like everybody, like all the movies he did previous to that, you know, it did not fit that same character. And here he comes into this role and you're like, wow, he really blew that out the water, right? You don't totally even have to be a water. star. You don't even have to be a star right. to own a role in a superhero. Right. Uh, what's the young lady play? Uh, Sherry. Oh yeah, Erica. Yep. Uh, yep. She nailed that role. She did. She nailed. She comes in from the bratty, from the bratty little sister to the yes. to the someone like yourself. Yep. A woman of yep. science, a black woman of science, and she's smart yep. and she don't care. And she's gonna let everybody yep. know I'm smarter than you, and I'm gonna laugh at the smartest yep. guy in the room. She just nails that character, and I don't want to see her play another role. Um, Lupita, as talented as she is, and as yes. as much as things she could be doing, which could be anything yeah. she wants to, when it comes to women's right. acting world. She comes in, she right. tears down um, a Marvel character. So I know. And that's the thing. It's like when you look at them, I mean, I thought every person they picked for Black Panther did an exceptional job. They all were able to command their own presence when they were on the screen. And it was just really, really just beautiful. I mean, the costumes, the, the just, I mean, just the amount of detail they put into it. And the fact that they were showing black people who were smart you know they weren't playing the stereotypical you know gangster drug dealer uh you know like the, 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 the type of roles we typically see in other movies like they really had this like high functioning society right that was it was way more advanced you know like it was just dope it wasn't dope. luke cage netflix series right <laughs> like oh Oh, listen! Like, oh, we're gonna play. Guess what? Mama and Daddy was number runners and cotton pickers and all that goofy shit. But yeah, Wakanda is a beautiful place. It's like it's a beautiful place. You know, you close your eyes and it's black people. We want to be there. We want to go there. That's why we supported the movie, and that's why we can't wait to go back to Wakanda. You know? Oh my god! That's why we're gonna be. That's just such a beautiful spot. I just thought it was just gorgeous what they came up with and that they had strong female leads. You know, he had women soldiers who were protecting him. You know, like it was, it was just, it was just beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. 
I loved it. I loved it. I was just like, I really liked how they did that that whole thing. I was so happy they didn't screw it up. I was mad as hell they did. Nah, I was mad as hell. They didn't screw it up. <laughs> they didn't screw it up. Let's go back yeah. to Detroit. I know Detroit is strong yeah. with the auto industry and very much so. Ford and Chrysler and man, I've been to like places and like playing dominoes at places and like yeah. and like the Ford people didn't want to talk to the Chrysler people and like 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 that's a real fucking thing. Are you fucking serious? Oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. That was a big deal back in the day when the automotive industry was like really dominant you know if you made it into working at any of the big three i mean that was a lot of money back in the day you know that was something that was saying something especially with the plants that they had down there you know that helped a lot of people get jobs it helped a lot of families be able to do more you know with it with their lives and to be able to have more financial freedom you know and it was it was a, a big thing it's a big pride thing and detroit you know, it's at the heart of it. It's, you know, it's Motown. You think of automotive when you think of Detroit, you know. So, and I mean, the original design of what Detroit was supposed to look like was supposed to look like a wheel. So if you look in downtown Detroit, you'll see that in the beginning, they really were trying to make this look like all the major streets that were coming out of downtown Detroit to look like the major spokes on a wheel. That was what the original design was supposed to look like. Oh. Um, but when the city blew up, like it did, you know, because people were coming in, they're like, hey, there's there's jobs here. It blew up faster than they could actually continue the city planning, so things got a little disjointed, but that was the original goal was to make it look like a wheel, and that was the that was the hope for it. So it's really interesting, tons of history that comes out of it, you know, especially when you think about music. You know, you have the electronic music festival, you've got the old school Motown that comes out of it, jazz, it's all kinds of stuff that comes out of there. And then you've got all the teams that are down there as well for sports. So all kinds of stuff. So much history there. Just in, just in the industrial industry, you had the, uh, those factories. And talking about like things that, like you were just saying, how many black people were just flooding into Detroit and were able yeah. to get jobs and able to mm-hmm. support their family off of these factories and – like that yep. train, what the train factory uh, uh, station, it was so huge. And there was like yeah. so many people were coming to get jobs. My dad uh, worked at Com Ed, did really well for himself. And he was telling me like one of the best things he did was like well, he knew he made it when he went to go buy mm-hmm. a brand new car from Detroit and he bought it from the factory. Yeah. And like, Yep. They were given like so that's like they were given black men like mm-hmm. sense of like mm-hmm. fucking like mm-hmm. they were here and they have arrived and you can't take this fucking from me and like exactly. and that's what the and that's what the city meant so like yeah so, a lot of pride there it is a, a lot, lot of pride. pride it is a lot of pride there uh, do you do that fucking Michigan thing like where you from and you turn your hand all that. Oh, yeah. So listen, the other thing that gets me, and and this is the funny thing, people laugh at me about this because people say, oh, yeah, I'm from Detroit. And I look at people and I go, are you saying actual Detroit or are you talking about metro Detroit? Oh, well, I actually am from Dearborn, but that's not Detroit. That ain't Detroit. But again, all right, but again, people 
outside the state really don't know other cities. You know, you could be throwing out like Redford, Dearborn. Uh, you could throw out like Troy, uh, Northfield. You could throw out all these other Hamtramck, right? Royal Oak, Farmington Hills, Novi. People would be like, I don't know what you're talking about. Livonia, Plymouth, nope. Taylor, nope. People wouldn't know what those are, right? So they just say Detroit because everybody knows Detroit. So of course, when you show your, you do your hands, you go, yeah, I'm from here. <laughs> everybody knows the Mitten State. Yeah, where are you at on the map? Where are you? Right? And, but you know, you have Lower Peninsula and Upper Peninsula, Michigan. And Upper Peninsula is vastly different from Lower Peninsula. Like it's, it's just completely different. But, you know, you're completely surrounded by water. And if you're in Detroit, you know, you can see Canada when you're standing out there on the uh, Detroit Riverfront. You can see Canada. Like, you can see it. So it's just it's just so much that happens over there. Detroit is just, I love it. I love that city. I mean, if it didn't snow, I probably would have stayed in Michigan. But I hate snow. I had to go. Wow. I can't do it. Come on. Come on. <laughs> But like, I can't do it. Man. You can do it. We just get some snow times. Nah. Just get some fucking good years. So listen, nah. <laughs> I need sun. I'm light enough as it is, man. I need oh, sun. Oh yeah, like I, I ain't even like I ain't even do no super light skin jokes, but we'll say that later. <laughs> shout out, shout out to Riverset Rye. They got me and uh rides in the studio, feeling real good about right about now. Like you said, it. Oh uh, yeah. Oh yeah. You're talking about oh, you Detroit. You're talking about Detroit music history. Shout out to Memphis uh, down there with their great music fact uh, history. But going back to yeah. Detroit, going back into the automotive uh, industry yeah. and everything that you said was prideful. So last, yeah. like last week, I send you, I send you a picture, and it's like. Uh, all these geek cars, which car would you pick? And it was like the A team car. Oh, it was yeah. like the Ecto one. And yeah, it was Knight the Rider. Star, Knight Rider Those kid. Yeah. And the Starcy yeah. and Cut. And yep. it also had the General Lee. And it I did. said and I said, Yo, which car would you pick? And I and I yeah. like and I was like, You probably don't know about half of these too young and she's oh like, no no, she's no like, i yeah. do she's like yo i know i know and that's the crazy thing is out of all of those great cars cards <laughs> we picked the same car yes. and we had the same reason like it was like i picked the general lee but i can't stand the fucking confederate flag it's that's something it. about the that's fucking it. general lee like as yeah. like as much as we the know name. that shit was the hateful name. We just That's love that car. Name. I know. The name itself, the fact that they had the Confederate flag on it, it's like, damn. But when you think about just the car itself, right, that, that car, I mean, when you think about old American muscle, right, when you turn on that car, it's the way it sounds. That engine, when it turns on, it's like you don't get that sound anywhere else. Sure, you get, like, these beautiful, like, Lamborghinis and Porsches and Ferraris. Like, they, they're gorgeous, right? Built for speed. You know, they're lower to the ground, great suspensions for handling, all that type of stuff. But it's just the sound, you know, that power that's behind it. You know, and of course, these faster cars, you know, like the Lamborghinis will have that quick takeoff, you know, for shorter races, they'll get you. But that American muscle hunts you down. You know, that's, it's just something about it. It's just a beautiful, 
beautiful car. I mean, honestly, my favorite car was the one they had in John Wick. And that car is just beautiful, absolutely beautiful. And I, I will always be more partial towards American muscle. Um, I've never been a big fan of Porsche. I just, something about that car just does not look appealing to me, but American muscle, that's my thing. It's got to be like the 60s or 70s because that's when you have the best looking cars, in my opinion. But that's just me. <laughs> Old school all the way. So that's that 429 Mustang hey. GT and John Wick. And the General Lee, that was definitely a Hemi in there. I don't even want to. You got to have a Hemi. What I want to. got to. I think, was that a 66? But. And uh, uh, but getting back to like the shits, right? We love that car, and we hate everything attached to the fucking car. We hate everything attached to the car, but still, we pick that car as like one of our favorite fucking geek uh cars. And like, I think I'm kind of smart, and like, shit, you pay somebody paid all type of fucking money to make sure you're smart. And we still pay, we still pick this car. And yeah. with that, like, with all that fucking hate attached to it. And that brings so, up the uh, the hot topic right now, mm-hmm. which is, mm-hmm. I plan on geeking out, like, this whole time. But, like, this platform, ain't, it. this platform ain't about me and ain't about you. I was going to fucking tease you all fucking show. But... Right now, it's a ra- it. it's a race going on. Yeah, it's a NASCAR yes. race. It is. It is. And it's a gentleman named Bubba Wallace. Yes. He has a mm-hmm. white dad and a black mother. So he's a black man, yeah. and he's the only full time yeah. NASCAR driver for mm-hmm. NASCAR. And with everything going on, he stepped out and said, "Yo, guess what? Now is the time. Guess what?" All this racist shit going on in this sport that I love, like, I can't do it no more. Enough with the Mm -hmm. Confederate flags. Enough with it. Yep. And guess what? NASCAR had to step up because NASCAR is run by sponsors. By no other sport is run directly by sponsors Mm -hmm. by NASCAR. But no other sport deals with the American flag and all those oh, misdirected yeah. then NASCAR. Mm-hmm. Yep. Like those, oh, yeah. those fucking statues they're tearing down. Guess what? Those people in them stands, that's their fucking great granddaddy and shit. Yep. So when Bubba Wallace, so first of all, NASCAR throw up the black fucking square a day late, right? Yeah. Then they rip, they yeah. were ripping the shit out of them, right? Then yeah. Bubba comes out and he, he says, yo, Black Lives Matter. And then he changes, yep. they change the car color. The car, the whole painting, whole thing, all black with the Black Lives Matter on there. And I was like, whoa. And he raced with it. It wasn't just like he put it there. Like he raced with that. Right. He put the, I'm so like, guess wow. what? Guess what? <laughs> Everything on that fucking car is now worth money. Since he yep. raced with it. Extreme yep. amount of money. Yep. So. Bubba. 
announces the Confederate flag, comes out with like mm-hmm. this badass fucking NASCAR design with Black Lives Matter written all over the thing. And they have like handshakes on it. And it's like a black hand handshaking a white hand. And mm-hmm. guess what? Bubba Wallace's owner is Richard Petty. Old school yeah. NASCAR. You know he you know he didn't you know he with the good old boys for show. Exactly. You know. So so he comes out yeah. and they changes this and and they made a change and he's he and he he's wearing shirts to say I can't breathe. And he just mm-hmm. he's just out there and he's just and guess what? Last night they find a noose. Noose, yes. Yes. Uh-huh. So Hanging here's the thing in that his gets garage. Me. And that's the thing that gets me. They talked about the fact that it was limited access, right? So there's a small, short list of people who had access to that area, right? The thing that got me was that because they found that, that they had to let Bubba in early to make sure that him and his crew go in earlier than usual just to make sure his car wasn't tampered with. Now, when you think about that, right, that this young man who has every right to say what he said, do what he did, his platform, it's what he believes, right? Exactly. Having to come to see that, right? And you already know you're an only, and you're already getting questioned because you're half black, half white, right? And they love to throw that out there a and lot. Just, and just earlier this year, NASCAR yeah. had a Cal Larson was thrown out because guess what? Mm-hmm. He's using the N-word freely yep. around NASCAR. Yeah. And they're like, oh, oh, you they can hear you. So they, they saying it around, around oh, anyway. Yeah. Like, the they time. don't, they like, they're just Flying the N word around, so the culture is built in, like built within that sport. And so, I was watching some sports shows, and this is what a suggestion they gave. It's like we have to wrap our arms around Bubba Wallace right now. It has mm-hmm. to be the King James, LeBron. I don't care what the fuck you you think about him professionally. He is the greatest athlete when it comes to social issues he's wrapping his arm yeah. around him at like yo guess what i'm weird i'm like i'm maybe one of like a million black guys that like nascar you know right but, no i'm right there with you but um <laughs> we have to introduce more people to the sport and say yo it's a brother that's racing it's like guess what don't become a nascar fan become a bubble wallace fan you know Right. And I seen right. like uh the NFL Alvin Kamara has reached out and he went to the race mm-hmm. and things of that nature. Mm-hmm. But right now mm-hmm. I'm gonna raise a pint to Bubba Wallace. Cause, nice. Cause right Thanks. now, like, yo, it, like it's hard. It's just like it's just like us in this craft beer world thing, you know. He loves something that sometimes don't love us back all the time. Oh my god. I, go, I was trying I go, to say I go into breweries. Yeah. I go to like one specific brewery, I should say. 
it's like um <laughs> one specific like they're mad about your success you know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. they want they expect you to be the bar back you was six months ago they expect you to be the guy that don't know styles they don't expect you to become a cicerone they don't expect right. you to become a brewer. They don't expect you to have a bi- badass podcast and talk to cool scientists. They just want you to talk <laughs> to homie at the fucking barber shop shit about who the fuck, uh, who better, Kobe or fucking MJ, you know? Oh, so they want that. That's a whole nother. Right. <laughs> so I got a question for you on that. I'll come back to that one though. <laughs> but so. I understand, like, Bubba Wallace. Sometimes you choose something, you love something. And this is what the fucking kid was born to fucking do. His dad is a fucking NASCAR driver. And for them not even to love their own. He didn't grow up around kids at the... He didn't grow up around kids at the local community center um, Mm -hmm. shooting basketball. He grew up privileged Mm -hmm. and elite and around them. And around mm-hmm. privileged NAS, not even just white kids, but NASCAR kids. And for them to pull that racist ass bullshit on him. Fuck you, NASCAR. Yeah. I mean, the thing that gets me is when you're an only, you know, it's, it's a lot, right? You know, you think about other types of um, black black athletes who went into sports that were white, you know, white dominated. You know, the most famous one everybody knows is Tiger Woods, right? Eldridge. Like he came in, you know, like he came into golf, like, and that, and I play it, right? And here he is. Not only did he perform well, he dominated. For years, I mean, for years, he was at the top of the leaderboard, just smoking up large leads over people, you know, just taking up, doing grand slams like it was nothing. They tried to tiger-proof, and that was the thing that got me, tiger-proof courses, and he was still blowing the doors off of it, right? Exactly. And then he has this fall, and everybody was just like jumping on the bandwagon, yeah, yeah, you know, saying all these things, all these things. Even his caddy came out and said some stuff, you know. And there was like, oh, it's a wrap for him. It's over. He's never going to come back. Like, it's over. Right? And he comes back and he wins, you know, not just any, you know, competition. He wins a major. I always and this is wear, something that they, I always you know? wear red shirts and black pants on Sundays. Yeah. Because and there's you know, a chance that Tiger fucking Woods can come back. And when he won that major, like, I ain't going to lie, I got super emotional. Oh, I know. What got me was when he won that, but then he came back and tied Sam Sneed, right, for the most all-time win. That in itself, I'm like, it's, it's, it's a wrap. Now, the only thing that I think that it's down the back of his mind that he wants to, to match is a number having the most major wins that Jack Nicholas right now still holds. And that, if he gets that, even if he matches him, if he matches him on that, which I think is still quite a possibility, that in itself says a lot, right? Because you are now saying you have the most majors, the most wins, right? The longest streak at number one world record. 
you know, like that, that it's ridiculous. And the amount of money he's made from endorsements and wins, it's like ridiculous, right? Like it's, it's ridiculous. He's, and then um, you look at like, he's designing a course out here on the South side. He is. So South side of Chicago. Shout out. It's about, to be a beautiful, it's about to be a beautiful course. And then you look at other, other sports like tennis. Again, you think mostly of white people playing tennis. And then you've got Serena and her sister Venus, who again came in and dominated again, right? And became his household name. They became the the example that everyone gets compared to. And now we know? have Coco. And man, now you've got Coco. Coco is like right? so man. She's like the Kawhi so, Leonard of tennis. She is like you know, assassin. So, so I'm like, you know, so that's what I'm saying. Like you have these individuals who, and then again, when she went and had her kid, right, they wrote her off again. But look how she keeps coming back. She's so close again to winning another, right? And it's like, you know, you look at these sports, right? And now you have Bubba Wallace, who's doing this with NASCAR, who's trying to make a name for himself, right? Who, again, isn't only in that type of sport that you typically would not think of a black person being in, right? That's the only way and I get like, my girl to watch the race because it was like, yo, I'm not going to watch all this like stereotypical <laughs> NASCAR uh, yeah. stuff. And it was like, yo, it's a black dude. And she's like, okay. I'm like, <laughs> and she became a Bubba Wallace fan. It was like, like nice. oh, he's terrible. But hey, he's black. So guess what? Right. <laughs> Right? And then as soon as you think about it, like when you look at beer, the same thing. Like you said, you go into breweries, right? And we see what the demographic is when you go there. You see it all the time. Gotta be the brother at the bar. Gotta be the brother at the bar, right? And, you know, but but then the thing is, is that when you look on social media and you really start to look at who's out there, you start to see that you have black brewers. You have people who are black who are in sales. You have blacks who are taproom managers, right? You have black people who are beer influencers, people who are doing photography, who are writing about beer, who are pushing for diversity and inclusion, right? Who have created these platforms, who are doing social media management, right? So you have all these people throughout various process, various parts of the brewing process from end to end where you have examples of black people who have done exceptionally well, right? Sure, they've had their resistance along the way, but they're there, right? So you can't deny, like Crown & Hops came up with, black people love beer. Like that in itself is a statement, you know? So you start to look at these people who have these podcasts like yourself or Afro Beer Chick, right? You know, you've got right. people who are doing you know, uh, besides podcasts who are talking about the beer and being an influencer about it, like, you know, Chris, the the craft beer connoisseur, right? You know, you've got people like her, you've got people like uh, Brandon, who's doing the Black Beer Traveler, who has created a map to show you where you have these Black-owned breweries, right? These Black-owned businesses, right? You have Eric, who did Uncap Everything, who's doing the uh, Cap Soul, who has a magazine that talks about beer, right? Right. And, you know, you've got all these people out there, like Stephanie, who she loves craft. And she has her, she started up her own share, which is a newsletter catered to black women to kind of highlight what's happening in beer, 
highlighting black women in beer, right? And she's she has coupled that with two of her favorite things that she likes to do, which is cooking and, you know, highlighting certain drinks. Right. So like she, yeah, she'd be you know, all in the farm. Like, I'm a big fan of all everyone right? you said. Like, yeah, she'd be all like right? she'd be in the garden with it. Right. And she takes these beautiful pictures with these plants, you know, and then you've got other people, you know, like Tiffany, who's up in, in Canada, who does her high season social media marketing company. Right. But she also has her podcast that she does with a partner who they all talk about beer. And, you know, she's a producer of the of the, of the podcast, <laughs> of the podcast, you know, like that is something. You know, like that's something that she's producing that show, right? She's on the show. She's producing it. She's creating, helping to create the content. You know, you look at these people, right? You know, who are, who are doing big things, right? And, you know, you hear about the, the fresh fence, how that turned into something, although now they're having some issues, right? But again, that was something to, that was to be said that you created a, a, you know, a festival that was all about bringing black people together, highlighting these black breweries, giving them that space to showcase their work, to showcase their beers, and to have panel discussions and bottle shares. Like that was something in itself to be able to do that, you know, to really demonstrate, hey, it's not just a select few. There's a large group. There is a following. There is a movement in this. And that is in itself is just a really big thing. It is. It's huge. It's it's national. It's like some of these people you just named, like we're not just in one place. Like like right. you said, Brandon's in San uh was San Diego and uh right. uh, uh a beer chick. Was she in North Carolina and you like I'm blessed that yeah. yo, I got Afro beer chick and Mickey right here with me right here in the city of exactly. Chicago. Which um, is nice. So I have a support system. So like, yo, what do you think about this brewery? They like, what do you think about Mm -hmm. this panel of things of that nature? Mm -hmm. And like, they challenged me like, and we challenged one another. Like we sat here last week and, um, just posted to, uh, Afro beer chicks, uh, podcast. Hey, everybody give it a listen to, um, I need to listen to that. I know it's about to, I know it's fire. You you know it is, (laughs) but like, um, like, like, so all these people we just named and, um, you know, my name is the brother at the bar and my job, and I take it upon myself to get more brothers at the bar to get us right. at the tap room. So our voice can be held. So everyone she just named, you know, I'm not calling out, but you know who you are. Like, and like, we, we all use each other's as tools. And the question that me and Afro beer chick came up with last week is like, yo, we're going to be talking to these people in these breweries and they're going to be talking to us and they're going to be like, what can be done and what what are they going to do? But the but yep. I challenge us, I challenge us as as black podcasters, content creators, uh, black writers, uh, mm-hmm. black scientists, black brewers, black drinkers, consumers. What are you going to do? Who are you going to align yourself with? Are you drinking that fucking beer because it's on sale? Yeah. Are you are you promoting this brewery because they gave you a fucking t-shirt? Or they give you a free beer every time you come in? Like I had to break some I had to break some ties with some places. 
And guess, I mean, and I don't guess know. what? When I walk in, it's like, oh, yeah, it's here goes some free beer and this, that, and third. And it's like, yo, I'm trying to better myself. Yo, I'm taking more control of my content and the breweries mm-hmm. I work with and starting to, yo, um, become more business-minded. And guess what? Yep. That's when we don't need you. That's when, like, fuck you, bro. Like, oh, man, you know? Yeah. I mean, that's just, like, the work that <clears throat> Tony Tupine's been doing, you know, calling out breweries. You know, Chris the Craft Beer Connoisseur, she's done the same thing. Beer Diversity with Wren up in Canada has done the same thing. You know, calling out these places and saying, hey, we haven't heard from you. What are you guys doing? You know, but I think it's also just the fact that, you know, some places, you know, you don't have to worry too much about because they've been trying to do the inclusive diversity thing from the beginning. They may not get it right, but they've been trying, right? And it's not because of some movement, because of some, you know, recent event that made them want to do it. And then you have the other groups where, you know, they've probably been wanting to do it, but they didn't know where to start. Now, of course, you've got all these resources, but again, now is the time to kind of figure that out, start implementing some things, you know, really trying to do that internal assessment. And we as people have to do that constantly, right? And as a business, you got to stop and think, okay, well, what do, what's the message I want to send out, you know? And, you know, it, 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 the best way to really make any type of statement is to really hit, hit the pocket. You know, when you stop buying from a particular place, they have to stop and listen. You know, either they fix it or they don't, but you, you've got to hit them in the pocket. That's, that's how you make change. You know, you've got to push hard, got to be willing to take a step back and say, nah, we see that you're not really. You know, and you don't want people just doing it. You don't want to pressure people into doing something, you know, or businesses into doing something, and it's not genuine because that just makes things worse. You know, you want it to be from a place where they're like, yeah, we see, we understand, and we want to participate. We want to change. You don't want to force anybody to do anything. That's like in a relationship. You know, you don't want to force your partner to do something, you know. You can express why you want the, you know, why you don't like certain things, but you don't want to force that person to change things. They want to be willing to do it themselves, you know? So same thing when it comes to business. Right. We don't want to be tolerated. We don't want our dollar to be tolerated. We want our dollar to yeah. be loved and you vote with your dollar. That's how yep. you like you yep. vote with your dollar. You have a decision when you walk in and what you want to drink and what you want to post and what yep. you want to put on your platform even, even mm-hmm. as the consumer, but like we do such a great job of supporting one another. Hey, other black podcasters, other black content creators, yep. other black brewers, yep. other black scientists that are listening. We love you. We thank you for supporting me and Kinky Suds. But like, who are you working with and how are you working with them? The brother at the bar, yep. I got Kinky Suds on. We're telling you. My job is, I'm the brother at the bar. My job is to get more brothers to the bar, to the <laughs> tap room, so we can be respected and we can show our black dollar and we can show off how smart we are and great craft beers and we can have great conversations with people. I'm telling you, man, I'm, I've been having so much fun meeting people during this past few months because I've been doing beer for some years now, like trying craft beer, 
brewing. I used to home brew a lot back in Michigan. I used to grow my own hops, but I didn't really start getting into the social media scene until this year. And I was blown away at how extensive the black beer community is, like just blown away. And I've met so many fantastic people in the past few months, right, since I started Katie Fed, that it's just it's just been phenomenal. And I started working on this on this book um, that I'm in the process of, of completing interviews for. And the name of the book is called The Fro in the Room. And I'm working with a black artist to create my cover art and some of the art in the book itself. But it's really just a collective um, of different experiences of black people and craft beer. And I didn't want to just get brewers, right? I wanted to get people who were influencers, photographers, writers, sales, all kinds of pieces, you know, of it. Um, and I've interviewed some great people for it. And really nice meeting people that way and hearing their stories, you know. Um, and I'm really excited to, to push this book forward. I, I cannot wait. I'm hoping to, you know, get this book. I, my, my dream really would be to get this into, you know, like Barnes and Nobles or something like that and really get this book out to the, you know, to the public and really get people to see this for what it is. Um, and really get these individual stories out there. Um, to really highlight, you know, how are we moving in this space and what are we doing and what do we hope for for the future and really getting that out there. Maybe that can be, you know, a book that can be used as a great conversation starter or something that can start, you know, implementing changes, you know, in the craft beer scene. So that's my hope. That's going to happen. All right. Um, So my social media, I'm only on one spot right now. Instagram at Kiki Suds. Um, I'm in the process of putting together my site, but that's down the road because uh, I plan on dropping some merchandise soon. Uh, but really, everybody can just find me up on Instagram right now. All right. Thank you for coming on. Thank you for putting up with me. Um, <laughs> we we joke and we bullshit all the time, um, but I want to thank you for being very serious on some things and then just being like just – you know, not being so uh, California, showing your Michigan roots and kicking it with the brother. <laughs> so this is the brother at the bar. My job and what I want to plan on to do is to get more brothers at the bar. I want to thank my guests again today, Denise Bonner, Kinky Suds on Instagram. Please, if you like what you heard and you, you want to support the show, please go on Instagram, click the link in the bio and become a Patreon. Support black Patreon, support black content creators, support this show. For $5, you can support me. For $10 a month, I'm going to mail you out some cool swag, T-shirts, glasses, stickers, you name it. It's just filling up around here. I'm ready to mail off some stuff. For $25 a month, guess what? You show your best support for me and guess what me and Rides are going to pull up from you six feet away and we're going to talk shit and drink a beer socially so this is the brother at the bar please support this podcast i'll talk to you again next week can't wait